Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Pei Vav in Maseches Nadarim. Now, what we're going to talk about is a continuation of uh, an explanation of a contradiction that came out of yesterday's Mishnah. So we have to give some background, Barry. You ready? Let's catch you up. So in the Mishnah, a fiercely independent woman said, none of my stuff is going to be usable for anyone else. Not my dad, not your dad. She tells her husband, I am making a neder that nobody can have any hana from my stuff. Now, she can make that neder with respect to everyone except for her husband. Um, that's her prerogative. Now, being her prerogative, so much so that as we've said, it means that the husband can't even the husband can't even be made for that netter. He can't touch that netter. She decides that she doesn't want to give anything to anyone. I don't know if that's the right attitude, Barry, because one should have a magnanimous attitude of giving as opposed to not. But that's, that's what she wants to do for whatever her reasons are. You never know. And that is her prerogative. However, when it comes to her husband, she, there's a three-way machlokis in the Mishnah. Can... She say, you're not getting anything from me. Well, this flies right in the face. We've learned Ksubas together already, Barry. And we know that she has certain obligations to him. Now, this obligations to him, what we call the Maisea dime, um, it's not the easiest thing to define. You have to look at Ksubas, right? That whole sugya is, and this entire sugya actually appears, what we're learning today, in the vicinity of Ksubas Nun Ches, uh, in those areas we are talking about in those Gemaras that happens to be, and really Simon Wolfschlitt, the great Dafyomi master, is the best guy to go through this. I always think he's the best at lining up all the different shitas. He really goes through the most thorough analysis of all different Gemaras and shitas. Our exact Gemara has a sort of alternate universe version of it in Ksuvus Nunches that the Rishonim deal with there and the Rishonim deal with here. What I like to say is, so that, so Simon, I think Simon Wolf's strength is lining those up. My strength is that I don't bother with that. No. Uh, which is, which is my funny way of saying that I'm going to try to keep it straight here. So at least we can understand here what we're doing and God willing, put it all together at some point. Um, but be that as it may, what, what was the issue? What was the contradiction? The contradiction was as follows. So again, the woman said, you can't have enough for me. The Tanakama in our Mishnah said, ain't no as we said, because the woman has to give her Maisei dime to the husband. The woman said, you can't have enough for me, my husband. And that is nonsensical because of course he can have enough from her. He's her husband. Okay. Rabbi Kiva has a Chiddush. He said that no, there's enough here that the husband can do Hafaris Nadarim because after all, you know, she happens to work for Price Waterhouse. Okay. She makes a decent living. The amount that's discussed in Ksubas that a wife, right, is obligated to her husband, it, some of it has to do with salary. Some of it has to do with household contributions to the household chores, right? These are all obligations that the woman, as we discussed in Masechus Ksubas, the obligations that a woman has to her husband, obligations that a husband has to his wife, certainly. That's all written up in the Ksuba, especially the obligations the husband has to his wife. But her obligations, those are minimal obligations, but according to Rabbi Kiva, she doesn't have to give him uh, her salary. That's not necessarily a joint bank account. And therefore, when she says that she doesn't want to give him anything, he, there is what's called the odef, right? And Rabbi Kiva says that is why the Baal should be made for her nether. 
right? Because after all, right, he, she, she has the rights to withhold, right, that extra stuff from him. And then comes the opinion of Rav Yochanan ben Nuri. And the reason we have to go through this is because Shmuel holds like Rav Yochanan ben Nuri. And so we have to pay close attention to what Rav Yochanan ben Nuri says. Rav Yochanan ben Nuri agrees with the Tanakhama that everything would belong to the husband. Okay, everything belongs to the husband. And therefore, really technically, the, the wife can't make a nether, right, that he can't have enough from her. So then what's the issue? In other, because Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, after all, agrees halachically with Rabbi Akiva. So it, conceptually, he agrees with the Tanakama that everything belongs to the husband. But halachically, he agrees with Rabbi Akiva that the Baal can be Mayfair or should be Mayfair, the wife's nether. Why would the Baal have to be made for the wife's nether, right, if, in fact, everything belongs to him? The answer is, because Shema Yirgarshena. A totally different thing, right, in our Mishnah. What if the husband divorces her? So what if the husband divorces her? What's going to happen? Well, if the husband divorces her, then when she wants to come back, she won't be able to. Or if he wants to have her back, he won't be able to take her back. Why? Because she made a nether, and this is really the point of what we're talking about. This is going to be the discussion of our Gemara. The, the wife, and this is where you have to pay attention, the wife made a nether now during the marriage, okay? And that nether, if he is not going to revoke the nether now during the marriage, is still going to be in abeyance and going to find full form and maturity upon their divorce if they were to be divorced. We don't know that they're going to be divorced, but if they do get divorced, that nether all of a sudden will flower, right? So long as she's married to him, He's going to be able, he's going to own her, so to speak, right? He's going to, there, it's a joint bank account and he owns her, Maise Daim, and that nether doesn't mean anything. But when they get divorced, the nether all of a sudden means something. Because now she has no obligations to him. He has no obligations to her. And he's just a regular average Joe who she swore off giving, having any annul from her. Okay. Now, once that happens, now he can never, remarry her. She'll always be usher to him. And so if he wants to keep the option open of remarrying her, there is such a thing as Maxir Grushaso, assuming that nobody got, he didn't get married to anyone in between. If he wants to marry her, he won't be able to because she has sworn off. Of course, he could go to the rabbi and do Hataris Nadarim. But conceptually, within the Hafaris Nadarim, there's something to be made for her in the nether now. The astonishing, and, and Shmuel holds like this. Shmuel holds that this is in fact the reason why the husband should do Hafaris and Dharam now. Now, the astonishing chiddush, you could say, right? The astonishing novelty of this shita is that she's making a nether that's not relevant now. And all of a sudden, in the event that she becomes divorced, all of a sudden the nether becomes relevant and fully in effect. That's astonishing. Says, and Shmuel Paskins like this, says the Gemara, Shmuel must hold that a makdish uh, a person could be makdish davar shalo ba olam. This must mean that 
a person can, and we already know that there's a connection between making something hekdesh, right? Taking a korban, taking an animal designating as a korban is similar to being moder hana'ah from something because setting something aside for the base of mikdash is similar to making something usher for you, even if it's not for the base of mikdash. And in fact, when we're matin adarim, we say kol nidre vikonamos, right? All, which is a derivative, as we said, of the lashon of korban, right? So all of these hekdesh and nadarim are in a sense, interchangeable. So this means, in essence, I can set in motion a neder now when it's not relevant for me and somehow it's relevant enough that when it does become relevant, boom, it takes effect. That is making a neder on something that you don't even know is going to happen. I mean, he, she doesn't know that they're going to get divorced. She doesn't even know if it's ever going to happen. And yet, if it does happen, all of a sudden it takes effect. Astonishing. You set it in motion now, and it takes effect later. So the other part of it that's astonishing is that it seems to be an internal contradiction in, in Shmuel. Because in the aforementioned Gemara in Ksuvas Nunchas, Shmuel holds there, like Rabbi Yochanan HaSadler, what Rabbi Yochanan HaSadler said, we're not going to go into that, that whole uh, Gemara, but our Gemara did quote it yesterday. The, the bottom line was, in that Gemara we said, that HaMakdish Maisei if a man... Right, let's assume, right, it's, it's, the, it's the Odef, right? The Gemara says it's referring to the, the aforementioned leftovers that Rabbi Kiva said. And Rabbi Kiva is involved in that machokas also, but let's keep it simple. Rabbi Yochanan Sandler holds that if a husband is, take, says, this is like the flip side, right? Instead of the wife saying that the husband can't have, right, her mice, hana from her, say a dime, here the husband says, you know what, I don't want any of your stinky mice a dime. I'm going to be makdish your ma'aseyadaim. Anything that I would get from you, I'm giving it to, the, the, to, to hekdish. Okay. Now, wait a minute. This is talking about the ma'aseyadaim that's going to come in the future, right? Says uh, Rabbi Yochanan Asandler, it's chulin. Chulin means that he can't be makdish it. Why can't a husband be makdish his wife's future ma'aseyadaim? Well, presumably because it's the future. How are you makdish something that's not in front of you? How <laughs> you can't be makdish an animal that's not yet born, can you? So, according to Rabbi Yochanan Asandler, it sounds like he holds ein adam makdish davar shalom olam. And wouldn't you know, Shmuel there paskins like Rabbi Yochanan Asandler. So, in Ksubis, Shmuel paskins like Rabbi Yochanan Asandler. It seems to imply that ein that a person cannot be makdish something that's not right now extant in the world. And in our Mishnah, Shmuel Paskins, right, like Yochanan ben Nuri, that the person can, that the woman can be makdish something uh, for the eventual, even though there's an eventual, uh, an eventuality that she may not get be, um, that she may not be divorced. And so there is a contradiction within Shmuel. So we gave a few possible explanations of Shmuel of why he would hold like. Again, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, that you can be makdish davar shalom olam in our Mishnah, and why he would hold like Rabbi Yochanan Sandler that you can't be makdish davar shalom olam in the in the uh, Gemara in Ksubis Nunches. And now we arrive six lines up from the bottom of Peheim Beis with Rav Huna's explanation of that stira. How does he resolve this internal contradiction within Shmuel? As follows, says the Gemara: Elama Rav Huna of Shua. Ah. What Rabbi Huna Breda of Shua is saying 
our Mishnah is totally different than the Mishnah in Ksubis because it's like this. In the Mishnah Ksubis, right, a person, the husband is Makdish, whatever Yedei, Maisei Dei Ishto is going to be later. You might recall that we gave this shot in Ksubis also. That's why I don't want to get lost in the weeds here. <laughs> we, we, we gave a similar answer for a different, in, in that Gemara, but it was in a slightly different context. So let's just assume. In the, in Ksubis, the husband was makdish his wife's actual future earnings. That's an intangible, Andrew. In our Mishnah, why does Shmuel hold like Rabbi Yochanan Minuri? Because in our Mishnah, he didn't, he, she, um, she didn't say, you can't have enough for my future earnings. No, 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 no. She said, you, I am being makdish my very hands. Le'osehen. Le'osehen is Hashem, because he made your hands. So Hashem made all of our body, and he made our hands, and the woman is makdish her hands. Well, her hands are right in front of her. They're attached to her arms, Andrew. They're at the tip of her forearms. And so that is certainly in the world. So instead of talking about intangibles, she actually is giving over her God-given hands, right, and saying, that's going to hekdish. Wow. So Birnbaum was like astonished. You could do that? I guess you could do that, right? It wasn't like Shmuel Hanavi given over entirely to the base of Mikdash as a child. I'm saying, I guess you could do that. You could be Makdash body parts. Okay. Well, the, as the Gemark says, the Adayim Ha'isnu Because after all, the hands certainly are in this world. And so that's what she's doing. So again, even though you would say that typically in order to... to so, so Shmuel just holds that, of course, you can't be Makdash something that's not in the world right now. That's why in Ksubis, he agrees with Rabbi Yochanan Sandler. You can't be, you can't be mocked with something that's not, that's not here, the Maisei Daim of the future. But here he agrees with Yochanan Benuri in our Mishnah because she wasn't mocked with something that's not in front of her. She was mocked with something that is, in fact, not only in front of her, but attached to her, her very hands. And it is for that reason that it works and that the nether takes um, effect and it's not Shalom Olam. It is Ba'olam. However, the Gemara asks, V'chi Amra Hachi Katcha. Wait a minute. I, I, I should have put a question mark there. Let's read this again. And if she said that, would that work? There you go. Can a woman really say, I'm taking my hands away from you, my dear husband, and I'm giving them to God? I mean, how do you, doesn't, like when a woman's Mekadosh Isha, isn't he like Mekadosh all of the Isha? Like her entire body, her entire, right? Like he's getting a full package deal, isn't he? She can't just take part of that package and say, no, no, no. I'm giving portions of myself to God. You don't get all of me. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, that's Meshubit to the Baal. Now, the way I just described it was kind of Balabatish, right? But the, the, there's halachic implicate, you know, there's lumdish ways of saying it also. She's Meshubit to the Baal. She already is, in essence, right, spoken for, right? She, she's already, um, she, right, she already has her uh, obligations and attachments to her husband. She can't reappropriate that commitment to her husband and give it to God. That wasn't the, the, the they agreed on. That doesn't say anywhere in the Ksuba she's allowed to do that. Says the Gemar, no. So right now the Gemara says, 
No, that she had to have said, and this is Machlokas Rishonim about here, whether, had, of whether this is explicit or not. This also comes up in Ksubis. But let's just keep it simple. That she stipulated right away that when I get divorced, my hands will go to Hektish. Wait a minute. So now, what's the case? The case is she's married, and we're saying she's... <laughs> what's the mechanism? She's taking something that is currently in her hands, literally, well, her actual hands, right? And she's taking that and she's saying, when I get divorced, these very hands that are attached to me are going to be given as hektesh. Okay, so now we have what's called a hybrid, right? Rev. Uh, Ari Leibowitz, a great Dafyomi master, does, I think, a really nice job of explaining it. There's enough here, right, in this world right now, namely her very hands, to make this... Uh, neither legitimate enough that there's enough here that the, there's something to be Mayfair. In other words, even though she's saying that this is not going to take effect until I get divorced, my hands are still here. And therefore, I'm looking at my hands and I'm saying these will be to Hekdesh when I get divorced. So now, because she's doing that, we're not violating any of the contract with the husband. Of course, my hands are currently to the husband. But I'm saying that they will be Hashem's as soon if and when we get divorced. Okay. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, Ashtamiya, Slomagarsha. But right now she isn't divorced. So now, how do we know that when she says it like this and attributes it to her very hands, that it's Mahanya, that it's actually helpful? Meaning, it's still a Dabashalobala right? Because she doesn't know that she's going to be divorced. That's an eventuality that isn't in the cards right now. So now we finally arrive at Pedvov and Ralph. And Andrew's very concerned because it's 554 a.m. But Andrew, I got this. The Ahmed Bez is just the Mishnah I could do it in two seconds. I just wanted to make sure you understood until now. Everything else is flowing like water. So I'm our Rabbi Ilah. Rabbi Ilah. So now the Gemara answers, Umay, right? I'm a Rabbi Ilah. This should work. Okay, so now this whole Ahmed Aleph of Pevav Ahmed Aleph is going to be amazing because we're going to take this case of the woman who's taking her current hands and saying, these hands, when they become relevant, will be going to Hashem, will be makdish, so to speak. And we're going to say, let's draw a real-world analogy with a field. Let's do a real-world analogy with a field. And we got Barry and Andrew, and we got a field, so we got all the tools we need to see how we can somehow retrofit this case of the woman and her hands into a real-world case that you can understand. Ready, Barry? Here we go. Why wouldn't it work? In other words, the Gemara asked, it's, it's still a Davish Lobala Olam. So now Rabbi Law is going to explain how it's not really a Davish Olam. It really works in the real world too. As long as her hands are there, there's enough there that it's not a Davish Lobala Olam. Are you sure? Here's the case. Okay. Omer Lachavero. Sada Zushani Barry, okay, wants to sell Andrew Field. Okay? But he just wants him to know that it's temporary. He's selling it to him temporarily for whatever reason. So Barry says to Andrew, here, I'm selling you this field right now. I currently own a field. Barry currently owns, right, the Pickwick. And so he says to Andrew, I'm, I currently own, I, the current owner of the Pickwick, I'm going to sell it to you, but I just want you to know, one of these days I'm going to buy it back from you. And when I... I'm going to buy the pickwick back from you, Andrew. I'm going to make it hectic. Says the 
says the Gemara, Milo Kacha, would it not become Hekdesh? So if you look at the Ran over here, Milo Kacha, the second line, Pei the Ran says a funny thing. First of all, certainly he could be. In other words, Barry's the owner of the Pickwick. He's the current owner. He's telling Andrew, you know what? And it's a fascinating thing. I'm being Mekadesh this Pickwick now, right? I'm, I'm designated for Hekdesh. Even though there's going to be a temporary hiatus where I'm selling it to you, I just want you to know I'm going to buy it back from you. And in the eventuality that I do, it will be Hekdesh. And the question is, does that work? Do you have to be the current owner with no break in between in order to be, to, for it to be Hekdesh? And the answer is, certainly not. Why should you? You could be Makdesh it now and say, you know what? I'm deferring. You know, like when you defer any college acceptance, but you're going to Israel for the year. So you do, you know, I accept it, but it's deferred. So here he's accepting, right, that it's going to be the Hekdesh, but he's deferring it until he purchases it back from Andrew. So the Gemara assumes that that certainly does work. Similarly here with the, with the woman, she is saying, I am deferring the Hekdesh because right now it's not relevant. But when it does become relevant, it's going to take into effect and I'm making the nether now. The Ron just points out what I think is fun is that that Rabbi Law takes it as axiomatic. He assumes that that would work. And just the Ron points out, he didn't learn that anywhere that it would work. He just assumed that it would work. <laughs> he just assumed that it would work. Right? And he assumes that that's the same as what would happen with the woman. Um, so that's a fascinating analogy. Now the Gemara says, though, that's not a really perfect analogy. Is that really similar? Yeah, Barry owes the pickwick right now. So he's telling Andrew, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm setting the hekdesh in motion now. And there's going to be a little hiatus. But Barry is the current owner of the Pickwick. The woman, at, at the time that she made the nether, was married. Now, she doesn't have the same ownership of her hands that Barry has of the Pickwick. After all, Barry is the sole owner of the Pickwick. She, her hands are mishubit to her husband. So, she does, so why should she have the same authority to set a hectish in motion? That is a faulty analogy, Andrew. So he says, okay, so, so now Rabbi has to suggest a closer, a better case. So no, 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 no. Barry, no, that's not what happened. This is what happened. Barry owned the Pickwick. And he said, Oh, no. He owned the Pickwick and he sold it to Andrew. And then after he sold it to Andrew, he says, oh, by the way, you know how I sold you the Pickwick? And Andrew's like, yeah. And Barry says, Yeah. Yeah, when I get it back, once when I buy it from you, it's going to be hekdesh. Says the Gemara, me kacha. So here, the me kacha is, of course not. Of course, Barry can't be makdashit. So what Miriam is saying is, you know, the woman trying to be makdash her her hands while she's married is similar to Barry trying to be makdash makdash the Pickwick while Andrew owns it, and that would never work. Andrew would say, yeah, okay, whatever you say, Barry, good job. You do you. You know, that's not, like, it's totally irrelevant. You don't own it. What do you, how do you mock, mock this something that Andrew owns, Barry? What's wrong with you? That, that would never work. Okay? So, LMI. So that, that case can't work. So now, uh, 
so now, however, Matki Flora of Papa. Rav Papa hears this. We know Rav Papa is always trying to defend, you know, and, and smooth everything out since Brachas has been doing this. So Rav Papa says, you know what, Rabbi Mia? You attacked Rabbi Law. That attack was a little harsh because that's, that your case is not really precise either. And I'll explain to you why. Because me, dummy, you really think that the woman um, with respect to her hands is the same as Barry with respect to the Pickwick when Andrew already owns it? When it comes to the sale of Barry selling the Pickwick to Andrew, it's cut and dry. Everything is absolute. It's obvious, right? Who owns it? Certainly Andrew owns it, right? Because, again, Barry was the sole owner, and then he sold it to Andrew. Now Andrew's the sole owner. It's a zero-sum game. It's not a co-ownership. One of them sold it to the other. Gabi Isha, Mipsika, Milsa. Can you say the same thing with regards to a woman's hands? She is still attached to her forearms, Andrew. <laughs> the husband may own them, but he doesn't have like in a satchel. Like he doesn't take it out of his briefcase at a business trip, right? It's still attached to her. So, hello, dummy. So, what would be an even more precise case? So, if Papa is saying, I think you got carried away with your attack on Rabbi Law. Here's the precise case. Okay, so now Barry is saying to Andrew, Aha, I pledged a field to you. That should work. So what happened? Like this. Barry uh, owed money to Andrew. Okay. And Barry says, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you collateral. We'll give you the Pickwick as a collateral for the loan. You can, you know, rent it out, do whatever, but I still own it. Meaning Barry owns the Pickwick, but he owns Andrew, he owes Andrew a lot of money. So he's giving Andrew the use of the Pickwick as a collateral. You get to use it. I'm not going to use it and not going to collect the rent from all the rentals in the Pickwick until I pay you back your loan. Well, that's a perfect analogy. That sounds like it's a perfect analogy because just like a woman really owns her hands, technically, because they're part of her body, but then she, they're sort of like on loan to the husband. So too, Barry really owns the Pickwick, but they're on loan to Andrew. Okay. However, and that would work. That would actually work. In other words, if Barry was, was wanted to make the Pickwick hekdesh while it was in Andrew's possession as collateral, that should work. And so now we kind of understand how this all works. This is great. However, Matskiflor of Shisha Bereda Ravidi, me dummy, Rav Shisha says that's also not precise. As good as it sounds, there's a, there's a hole here. What? Because Sada Biyodoliftoso. Yeah, well, Barry, it's in his control, right? Barry gave the Pickwick to Andrew's collateral. But the second Barry comes up with the money, it's totally in his control to just give Andrew the money, and it's a mashko. And Andrew can't just hold on to it. That's not yours, Andrew. Let go of the Pickwick. Give it back to Barry. He paid you the money. Right? That's in Barry's control completely. And therefore, in that case, it's more, Barry has more power over the nether, and he can, and he has more power, more ownership over the Pickwick, and therefore, that's why he can be Makdashit. However, a woman, right, Isha Biyodalit Garish, she has zero control over when she's going to be out of this Sheba to her husband, right? Uh, yeah. Now, okay. We're not going to get into this, Barry. I know you learned Ksubis. I know that a woman could tell a husband, and you get to, I'm going to keep my Masi a dime 
and 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 I'm going to and you're not going to be and I'm going to forfeit your right support of me, right? We get it, but that there's a lumdish. Believe me, the achronim, and I think the ritva and ksubis, if I recall from Arari Libuitz, a great Dafyami master, they deal with that and they explain why it's different. Okay, why we're not in that question. But the point is that conceptually, right, the woman does not know how long her hands are going to be meshubit to the husband. And to that effect, right, she has less control over her hands in that regard to be makdash them than Barry would have over the pickwick were it to be sitting in Andrew's possession as a collateral. Oh. So then what says Rav Shisha Bredavidi is the true comparison? Halo damiel halo mechavero. So Barry says to Andrew, Oh. So now, Barry and Andrew struck a deal. What was the deal? That Barry told Andrew, you can hold on to the Pickwick as the Mashkon for 10 years. And so now, even though, and here's the point that Rav Shisha is going to make, and don't get too emotionally attached to this point, Barry, because we're going to knock it down in a second. But the point that Shisha is going to make is that we just said that when Barry has the mashkon uh, in, in Andrew's possession, right, he owns it. That's true. But he, we, we just said that Barry can access it at any time, as opposed to a woman who doesn't know when she can access it. Well, what if you took that any time piece away? And you said Barry can't access it at any time. There's a 10-year period of time where Barry cannot access it. So would that be more similar to a woman who can't access her yadaim so long as she's married? Because after all, right, if you said that there's no such thing, then really it's one of these loans, right? Some loans have a penalty or even a situation where you, you cannot prepay the loan early, right? So if you can't pay the loan back early, so then you really don't have the jurisdiction over the pickwick. Andrew could do whatever he wants. He knows that, you know, he could build a dental office in there. There's nothing you could do. He knows that he has 10 years for that, right? Okay. So, however, and would that work? Yes, we say that would still work, right? Even though Bar- when Barry made the statement, he really doesn't even have access to the Pickwick, that hectic would work because he knows that, because he has the authority to bring it back in 10, in, uh, 10 years. However, Rav Ashi, the great master, is going to poke the obvious hole in that argument because he says, me dummy, right? Those two cases aren't similar. You tried, you almost made it, Rav Shishi, but here's the point. <laughs> at, some, at some point, there's a term limitation, right? At the end of 10 years, there's no longer, right, any rights that Andrew has it and it goes back to being Barry's. So like, there's a, we'll call it a psychological component here where really everyone agrees that it's Barry's. You know, there's a very big difference between saying that you, you own it indefinitely or that Andrew can hold on to it indefinitely and perhaps forever and saying that Andrew can only hold on to it for 10 years, right? One is a term limit and the other one's forever. It's for life. So Isha mi isla a woman doesn't have any knowledge of how long this is going to take, if ever. So therefore, the ownership that Barry would have over a collateral that Andrew has, even if it's understood that Andrew has a 10-year term where, he can't, Andrew, where Barry can't access it, is still more ownership 
the vis-a-vis Barry and his Pickwick that he gave to Andrew's collateral, then a woman would have to her hands. Because even though her hands are attached to her and she sees them, there is no way she can access them unless her husband would divorce her. And she doesn't even know if that's ever going to happen. So she has less ownership than Barry and it's not a direct comparison. So as we turn to pay Vavam and Bez, the Gemara concludes, El Amar Ravashi, is going to blow up this whole effort that we had in Amar Aleph to create a real world analogy and come up with a completely different svara that has nothing to do with our analogy. And the svara goes like this. Shiny konamos dechi kedushas haguf dami. Unbelievable. What is this? Well, as we've said before, and we were astonished by this, Barry, sometimes you can have an obligation. Now, you can't make a nether directly against the Torah, but there are certain obligations where you can make a nether, and all of a sudden, the nether overpowers, overpowers your initial obligation. And that's exactly what's going on here. First, I'll say it outside. We'll read it a little bit in the run. What's going on here is the woman... True, the woman has an obligation to her husband, but guess what? She has the authority, says Taravashi, to make a neder that her maiseya daim, her actual hands, go to Hashem, and that'll overpower her marital obligation to the husband, her marital shibud. The neder is stronger than the marital shibud. It's as simple and as fundamental as that. Let's see that inside. Sharehen says at the top of the Ran, How does that work? Right? Mutter or love. Just like if I take a kachem mizbeach, once I make it a korban, it remains a korban. I cannot do anything about that. That is irreversible. And since this is where Kedusha Saguf comes in, when the woman is makdisha yadaim, it actually has the power to take it out of the shibud that she has to her husband. That is unbelievable. Okay. Well, if that's the case, right, says the, and the Ran finishes off the thought, because remember where we started with Shmuel. Right? He holds like, you can't be makdish, like Rabbi Yochanan Sandler. You can't be makdish something that's in the future, but this isn't in the future. Her hands are attached to her forearms right now, and she has the power to take him away from her husband. Wow, that's unbelievable. Okay, so now, the Kedusha of the Guf Adamit, Uchud Rava. And this is like Rava, the Amar Rava, Hekdei Shechametz V'Shichar Mafkimi Dei Shibud. So there's three things that are so powerful that could take you from a Shibud. How so? Like this. So let's look at, again, the Ran, the Amar Rava Hekdei Shechagon, also Shora Apoitiki, Lebal Chobo. So let's say, again, Barry owed Andrew money, and he says, here, take my bull. Uh, I'll give this to you as like a collateral Right? And then all of a sudden, he's makdish the bull as a korban. Wow. Right? So you understand what's going on? Barry is giving the apotiki to Andrew to satisfy a loan. And then, but again, it's just a collateral. So Barry still owns the shore. He has the power, even though you can't do this. You can't take your collateral away. You owe him money, Barry. What are you doing? No, you can be, the Hekdesh has the power of the Kedusha Saguf. That shore now belongs to God. Andrew can't access it. It's so powerful that Andrew now has to get another source for his collateral. That would be true in the case of a shore. Similarly, it would be true if 
uh, let's say Barry gave it, owed money to a non-Jewish entity and gave his chametz as collateral, mind you, before Pesach came, all of a sudden Pesach comes, boom, Barry can no longer own it. That's not Barry's to give as collateral. The non-Jew would have to get a collateral from somewhere else. That's how powerful the Isser of Chametz is. It takes away Barry's ownership. And similarly, a slave. Barry gave his slave, not very PC, we'll talk about it some other time. Barry gave his slave as collateral to somebody else because he owed him money. Barry still has the authority. Again, the slave is Barry's slave, right? He's just sitting as an apotiki in someone else's possession. Barry can go and be Meshachar of the slave. He could free his own slave. And guess what? The slavery freedom is so powerful and so meaningful that that slave obviously has no, right, he no longer owes anything to anybody, no obligation to anybody. Andrew's going to have to go find a different source, some other asset of Barry's to seize because, again, even though there was some measure of a shibud, a financial shibud, of either the chametz to the guy or the slave or the pickwick to Andrew or the wife to her husband with her yadayim. She has the power through a konam through a, to change the Kedusha Saguf. When you make this nether, it breaks that. When you free a slave, it breaks that. When Pesach comes and Chametz breaks that. That's unbelievable. Uh, yesod, a fundamental idea of Ravashi. So says the Gemara, wait, So then why do we go all this, through all this trouble to say that, that right, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri said that the case would be maybe he'll divorce her. Why does he have to divorce her? If she has such power over her hands, let her do it now while they're still married, Barry. So the Gemara, yeah, Taniva Ochem, that's a good point. Yeah, we didn't even have to say that. We said maybe there's another, another case, which <laughs> maybe, also after she divorces, she could do it too, but she could even do it now. That was confusing, wasn't it? Uh, that, that's not what the Mishnah said to, um, to do this Mishnah and finish off Pei Vavam Bez. In fact, I'm thinking of stalling just to make you nervous, Andrew. No, but I'm not going to do that because I'm not that guy. Uh, the case in the Mishnah in Pevavim Beis is the Hafaris Nadarim that were done by accident. As follows. A mistaken Hafara. Nadra Ishta Besavar Shinadra Bito. Right? So the dude heard, hears his, who, uh, a woman in the other room. He thinks it's his wife. Really it was his, or he thinks it's his daughter. Really it's his wife. Or he doesn't know the content of the nether. He thinks she made a nether to, of Nazirus. Really, she made a nether that she wanted to make something of carbon. Or or the opposite, right? She thought she made a nether of carbon. He thought that she made a nether of and he was made for it under that premise, right? So you're made for this nadarm either under the false uh, identity of who you think you're being made for for, or a false premise, you think it's in Zerus, it's Corbin, you think it's Corbin, it's Zerus, or even, you know that she swore up some fruit, but you thought that it was grapes, really it was dates, or figs rather, or we're going to have to discuss why, <laughs> why we would think that it wouldn't work in the other way, but in either way, she really made a nether, uh, swore off grapes, and you thought she swore off figs, in other words, you have to go back and be made for it again. As the Mefarish explains, looks like Rashi, but it's not. Three lines up from the bottom. You could still do Afaris Nadarim for a while. I, I see that as a Chiddush, right? Usually Afar, you have the 24-hour period. Here, it sounds like because of the fact you made the Hafara, so you designated your disdain for this nether, 
Now all of a sudden it sounds like, at least according to the Farish, that it's an abeyance until you sort it out. Once you realize that you made that far over the wrong thing, you can be made for it again later, but you have to be made for it again later. Such is the nature of the Hafara Batos, as we will delve into and discuss tomorrow. So we'll start tomorrow, Bezrat Hashem, on the last line of Pevav Ahmed Bez.